You're still muted, Wayne. All right. There you go. Okay, we're going to continue on to Matthew 24 tonight and uh, what we've been looking at. Uh, we'll probably wrap this part of the chapter up. Maybe we'll, we'll look at it one or two more times, but eventually we'll come to the conclusion of the matter and wrap it up. Uh, but there's so much in the first few verses to get a hold of uh, in our hearts and our minds, really in the study because it sets the stage of what Jesus is saying. And there's so much of the Old Testament that is actually fulfilled in what he says. And so many believers uh, seemingly don't believe that was the fulfillment or don't understand it uh, either way. Either way, uh, whether it's they don't believe it or they don't understand it. I think in a lot of, a lot of cases, it's never been presented to them. And the basic understanding uh, to get a hold of, to really see this, well, to really see this, you, you see the Lord, but from a, from a scriptural understanding, to get a hold of this is the covenant. And I've talked about this probably on uh, uh, every one of these, or at least a couple of these uh, sharings, is that there was a covenant in place, an old covenant. And a new covenant is in place today. And if I go back and really look at the scripture, Jesus came in the old covenant. He didn't come when he came, when he was born a babe in a manger. He was not in the new covenant. Now, he himself was the new covenant, and he himself declared the new covenant, but the old covenant was in force. It was upon the earth. And what was going to transpire was the old covenant was going to be removed. The new covenant was going to come forth. That was all going to transpire in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how it was going to happen, is in him. And he, he is the conclusion of the one covenant, and he is the fullness of the new covenant. All things are of God, and all things are of him. That's the way the new covenant is. And we've said this, he's the word of covenant. He's the definition of all words. I love how John declares him in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word. So everything is defined by him. And in, in the book of Galatians, just to support and put this out here, what I'm saying uh, right now in the book of Galatians, uh, chapter uh, 4, I believe, Maybe it's three, but Christ, but when the fullness of time was come, it's four, verse four. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them 
that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And here, and here's purpose. Here's purpose. And then the power of this, and because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So, so here, we're not a servant, we're sons. So in this covenant, it's not like the old covenant. It's not like the old covenant at all. It's a covenant of God that is completely based upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And Matthew 24 uh, is declaring the removal of the old. And in that declaration is also the coming forth of the new. It's in there. It may not be obvious to the eye, but in the, in the Gospels, you know, Jesus wasn't just concluding the old covenant. He was declaring the new covenant. And, and in the coming weeks, we're going to uh, take on this statement Jesus makes, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, or his word shall abide forever. That's coming in the coming weeks. I don't know when we'll get to it. I, I've, I've taught on it in the past. Uh, it's a uh, great understanding in my heart. But a couple things I want to center in on tonight in the book of Mark, I believe chapter 13, and then back in Matthew 24. But in the book of Mark, toward the very end of Mark, of 13, it says, this generation will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Just that simple statement, which he says it in other places, and I'm looking for the actual scripture where it's at, but he tells them this generation that everything is going to happen in this generation, verse 30, Matthew, Mark, uh, actually Mark 13, 30, verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. So all the things he said before, starting with the destruction of the temple, the coming of the Son of Man in glory, was going to happen in that generation, not 2,000 years in the future. And Christianity, our, our teachers have preached it that it's 2,000 years in the future, all this is going to happen. And they've taken bits and pieces of Matthew 24 and Mark 13, and I think maybe Luke 21, wherever it's at in Luke, and they've taught it in their, with their ideas but not seeing it from a covenant, covenantal approach, that God made a covenant with Israel. And, and in the covenant he made with Israel, he said that he was going to make a new covenant. And Jesus declared before he went to the cross, this is the new covenant in my blood. So not in the blood of of animals, not in the blood of, of the bulls, the goats, the turtle doves, not in the grain offerings, but it was the blood of Christ that sealed the new covenant 
that ratified the document that we live in. We live in the Word of God. We live in the document of Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And if we could get a hold of this, I mean, I mean honestly, uh, sometimes I think, Lord, just let me get a hold of this. I'm living in what you've done. My salvation is completely and totally based upon you. It's not based upon me. It's not based upon my effort. It's, it's simply based upon the fact that I have received you, that I am knowing you. So, so, so I'm a recipient, as Paul says, I'm a joint heir with Christ, an heir of what Christ has done. And well, if I think I'm under that old covenant, that's not a that's not a heir of what Christ has done in that old covenant. That's a covenant of works. See, that's that covenant was not the heir of him. And and believers don't get that. They don't get that. We are the heir of Jesus Christ. Joint heirs with him. What does that mean? Everything he did, everything he accomplished, he has given to you. Now, do we walk in everything he did? Do we walk in everything he accomplished? No. I'm sure we don't because we don't understand it. The reason we don't walk in it, we don't understand it. Why don't we understand it? Well, it's not been taught to us. It has to a measure. It's like when you get into the scripture and you start looking at things like we're looking at now and you want to say everything precisely and then God expands. <laughs> and when God expands on you, you go, well, okay, you know, I've got, I've got some more searching to do. And, and that's, that's how I see the Lord. I don't believe there's a day out here, even in when you're physically departed, when you're not in these physical bodies, that you're not going to be learning the Lord. Now, some people do, but I don't. Some people believe that you're, you leave these bodies, you go over there, and you've got it all. Well, you've got it all right now. He's all. See, see, it's the definition of what all is, is the issue. The issue of all is him. And I'm trying to get to my lesson, but the issue of all is Christ. He is all. Okay, so we've received him. So we've received all. Now, God, you know, if I if I go to Solomon and Solomon when he built the temple and he said, even the heavens and heavens can't the heaven of heavens can't contain you, how much less than this house? Well, if I look at the natural heaven of heavens, if I begin to look at the galaxies and and just for a moment, think on, on what Solomon was saying, even in the natural, that, that God's immenseness could not be contained. Just like, just like John wrote of Jesus, of all the works and miracles he did, the books couldn't contain it. <laughs> he, he, it wouldn't, you, you know, you know so, so to think that we're just going to know it all, Someday is probably preposterous. 
we know it as the Spirit of God reveals him. That's how we know it. That's how we know him. And we know that in this great relationship we have in Christ. And that's what we're knowing. Well, back in Matthew 24, the word coming, the sign of his coming, and the end of the age, and we're going to deal with that just a, a little bit tonight, sign of his coming and the end of his of the age, where the word coming there is a Greek word, perusia. I think uh, uh, Sister Bonnie talked about it the other night. Well, if I look up the word coming here, it means present. If I take the Strong's Dictionary, and the disciple said, and what shall be the sign of thy presence and the end of the world? And we, we discussed this last time, that, that the sign, you know, Jesus said to them that no sign shall be given but the sign of Jonah the prophet. That's what he said. No sign shall be given but the sign of Jonah the prophet. And he told him, he said, you can, you discern the face of the sky, you discern everything going on, but you don't discern the sign of the time. Why did he say that? The reason he said it was in the midst of them, the prophets were being fulfilled. The blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame walked. That's what was going on in the midst of Jerusalem. You know, I mentioned this last time Jesus said in Luke 4, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. That, that's fulfilled in their midst, in their ears. But he, but he told them, he said, having eyes you see not, having ears you hear not. So they could not discern the time. They couldn't see it. They couldn't understand it because the sign was a person. You, you know, they were looking for, I, I believe, from what I've studied anyway, and maybe some of them were looking for nothing, but I believe they were looking for a militarization of Israel, that it would come back to its military dominance, and it would overthrow the governments of Rome and, and all the, any other government that came against Jerusalem. I believe that's what they were looking for. So when Jesus came lowly riding upon a donkey, and just like the scripture said, just like the, you know, just like the scripture said, they didn't believe it. They didn't discern it. They didn't comprehend it. You know, you know, and, and I, I, I was going in a different direction, but in the story of Lazarus, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, and you, and you can look this up and see if I'm telling you the truth, you would have thought Jerusalem, if you really think about it, the, you know, and I can't remember what town Lazarus was in, but he's raised from the dead. Okay. And that's published. Now you, you would have thought if somebody was raised from the dead, everybody would come around to see the works of God. Well, you, you know what they wanted to do to Lazarus? Not only did they want to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus because many people were believing on the Lord Jesus 
because of what was done to Lazarus. Now, that's in your, that's in your Bible. It's in the book of John, I believe, where they wanted to uh, kill him. And Jesus says in, in the parable, I believe, of the, of the rich man and Lazarus, and, and, I, and I think it's something when you, when you think the rich man and Lazarus, and I, and I want you to hear what I called it. I called it a parable. Now, a lot of people would, go, would probably have an issue with me calling it a parable, but that's okay. They could have an issue with me, and I'll bless them. God bless them, and, and may he bless us all. Glory to God, and he hath blessed us. Anyway, in, in Luke 16, 31, I want you to hear this real close. I'm, I'm, it says, I, I wrote in the, in the book, I said, consider the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, 19 through 31. Look at the end of this parable. It says, and he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if one rise from the dead. Now, what's interesting to me is not only did one rise from the dead, Lazarus rose from the dead. So Jesus declares a parable of a rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus raises from the dead right in the midst of, of, uh, of Jerusalem, of Judah. Maybe not Jerusalem, but in Judah. So, so here, here in the midst of them, he raises from the dead. And he told them, though, if they believe not Moses, Neither will they believe. Why did he say that? Because had they believed Moses, had they believed Moses and the prophets, they would have believed Jesus was the Christ. With everything that was going on in the midst, they would have said, this is the Christ. Now, now here is a thought that's in my heart. Now, this is kind of a, a hard thought, but it's a thought. The church, maybe the reason they didn't, believed the prophets as they didn't know the prophets. Maybe they didn't know what they said. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Just throwing it out there. Maybe they believed what religious leaders told them. It said. Now that would sound a whole lot like today, wouldn't it? Okay. Maybe they never looked for themselves. Just a thought. Because when you start looking for yourself and you want to understand and you, and you have a true heart toward God, I believe he begins to fill your heart with truth. You may not understand. You may understand a measure of truth. You may not understand everything we're talking about tonight, but there's a measure of truth that begins to be formed in you, a truth of Christ, right? So maybe those folks in that day, maybe they didn't know what the prophet said. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they did. And they just didn't believe. Having eyes, they see not. Having ears, they hear not. Because had they believed the, the signs that was upon the earth, not just the sign of the death, burial, and resurrection, he told them, no sign shall be given, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. He told them in John, he, when they asked him for a sign, when he, when he whipped those that bought and sold in the temple, he said that destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it again. 
Here's the sign. And it's, and it's speaking of his body. So in three days, death, burial, and resurrection, he raises from the dead. He, he brings forth the new house of God right in the midst of Israel. Now, now what's powerful to me, and here I go, this may take me a little bit because here, here I go try getting to where I wanted to go. In the book of Acts, after Jesus raises from the dead in Acts chapter 2, turn to Acts chapter 2. Here's, let me find it here. There comes in Acts 2, one verse 1, and says, And when the day of Pentecost was now come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them tongues parting asunder like as a fire, and it set up on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want you to consider something here. The Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. Okay, Where were they gathered at? In Jerusalem. What was in Jerusalem? The temple. Where did the Holy Spirit not go? To the veil, which had been rent at the cross of the old covenant temple. Now, some people say these disciples may have been in the top of the temple, may have been uh, somewhere else. I don't know where they were, but the Holy Ghost came and filled them. So he didn't go back to the old system. He come to the new. And what I want you to consider with me is in the book of Matthew 24, where we're at, the Bible says, you know, tell us when these things shall be, what shall be the sign of thy coming. Now that's in uh, what verse three in verse 30 of that same chapter, Matthew 24, 30 says, and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. All right. Here in Acts 2, it says there's a sound from where? Heaven. Get a hold of this. The sound comes from heaven. What did John the Baptist say of Jesus? He shall baptize you with what? The Holy Ghost and with fire. What happens on the day of Pentecost? They are baptized in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Okay, That's what Acts 2 says, that the Spirit set upon them, parting asunder tongues of fire. So, 
So here on the day of Pentecost comes the Holy Ghost and fire upon the disciples. You see that? Yeah. And it's a sound from heaven. Now, now consider with me in the order of the scripture for a minute. Was John the Baptist New Testament or was he Old Testament? Okay. Well, you say, well, he was in the New Testament. Oh, he may have been in the New Testament writings, what we call the New Testament, but John the Baptist was an old covenant prophet. And he declared that Jesus was going to what? Baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I, my, my heart believes that this is at least part of the sign of his coming right here the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, the sign of his presence, is that the Holy Ghost had come upon those that believe. That the 120 gathered in the book of Acts, they received the Holy Ghost. And, and Jesus says what to them? He says before he ascends in the book of Mark, he Mark 16, if you turn to Mark 16, verses 14 through 20, says, And afterward he was manifested unto the eleven themselves as they sat at meat, and he abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them that had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that disbelieves shall be condemned. And these signs shall accompany them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it, it shall in no wise hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken unto them, was received up into heaven and sat down on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word by the signs that followed. So, so what begins to happen in Jerusalem after the ascension of Christ? Peter and uh, John go up to the gate, up to the temple, to the gate called Beautiful. What happens? There's a lame man sitting there. Is that a sign of the Son of Man in heaven? Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you will receive dunamis power. So the sign of his presence was all the way through Jerusalem, all over the land. Was it not? Yes, it was. The Holy Ghost had come, and by the apostles' hands, the works that Jesus did, they were doing. Just like Jesus said, the works that I do, 
you shall do also and greater works than these. What was, and we've talked about the greater works. We did a bunch of a series on the greater works that, that out of them was flowing the same river of life. The Christ of God was flowing out of them and touching hearts and minds and bringing people into the new creation. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So here in Israel is the sign of his presence. The Holy Ghost being upon them. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Not many days hence. Now, I believe that with all my heart, that this is dealing with the sign of his presence. Now, in his perusia, something else just to note here. If you look up the word perusia, the Greek word, it's, I believe, 24, used 24 times in the Bible. I believe that's the number. It may be more, maybe less, but I believe what I read was 24 times. It deals with the destruction of Israel. Okay. So his perusia, his presence, is dealing with the end of the natural Jewish nation that we knew, or the Jewish system. I shouldn't say the end of the natural Jewish nation like that. But that system, that old covenant system, was dealing with the end of it. Look it up. You'll find it in Matthew. You'll find it in Thessalonians. You'll find it in Peter. And it's, and it's dealing with this destruction. Now, the sign of it is, is him, I believe, dwelling in these disciples and bringing a people out of that system. See, before that system is destroyed, what happens? A voice begins to be declared in the midst of the earth by the disciples, and the believers come out of that system. They come out of it spiritually, and Paul's telling them spiritually what they are, their new creation, creative of God in Christ, and they also come out of it physically. They, they, they take heed to Jesus' words when you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, know it's at the door. Know that the time has come. The great and notable day of the Lord is here. Just like he said in the prophets, and this end is upon this system. This end has come. So, so right in the midst of Jerusalem, the disciples are declaring the wonderful works of God by the Spirit, because he's filled them with his Spirit. That's, and that's how we declare the wonderful works of God today. That hasn't stopped. The kingdom of God is advancing. Some people believe this happened, and then in 70 AD, it somehow stopped. No, it's advancing. It's continuing, because Daniel saw the rock come out of the mountain, and it what tore down the kingdoms of the world, and then it went back into a great mountain to what fill all things. And then Ephesians 4 says the same thing Daniel saw, that Christ ascended. He's the rock that came out of the mountain, and he ascended up on high to do what? To fill all things. He ascended to fill all things. Yes, he did. 
and he's filling you and I by the Spirit, by the Word. As we comprehend him through the Spirit and the Word, he's filling our hearts, he's filling our understanding, he's making us to know all things. Now, we couldn't know them under the old covenant. Why? Because you can't bear them, Jesus said, because the Spirit has to come. You can't receive them. You can't understand them. They're spiritually known. And all the things are of him. So it's all things of him that's spiritually known. All right. Well, let's go on a couple more places. So, Jesus in verse Acts 2, verse 33, he says, Being therefore by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath poured forth this which you see and hear. And I wrote, the infilling of the Spirit was a sign from heaven. This was the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Jesus, now exalted and seated at the right hand of power, poured out the Spirit of God. Jesus sent forth the Holy Spirit from heaven. It come from on high. Now, what, what happened to the hearts of them? When the Holy Spirit come, what happened when Peter began to preach the word? You know, the tribes of the earth, it says the tribes of the earth shall mourn. And, and now they mourn in the destruction of Jerusalem. I, I, I believe that. Okay. But for a moment, follow me. What happened when Peter began to preach the word in the book of Acts? This is that which is prophesied by the prophet Joel. What happened, those that heard and received began to believe that word. It said they were pricked at the heart. They mourned for him. They were convicted. <laughs> so there was a mourning in the heart, just like there was a mourning upon the land, but there was a mourning in the heart for him. And Zechariah prophesies of this. Look, look, look with me in the book of Zechariah. In the book of Zechariah, uh, chapter, let's see if I can find it here. Joel, Micah, Zechariah 12 says, verses 10 and 11. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. And they shall look unto me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadarim, Hadar, Dadram in the valley of Megiddo. So here's a great mourning coming up on Israel when they pour, when God poured out the Spirit and they looked upon him whom they pierced by the Spirit of God. That's what Zechariah said. They shall look upon me 
whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him. What happened to the soul, uh, at least in me, maybe some people today, this didn't happen, but it happened in me when I received the Lord Jesus. There was a mourning in my heart. Now, some people may say that didn't happen to them, but it happened to me. Were, were all of my sins, my conviction, come before me, so to speak? not saying everything I ever did come before me, but there was a conviction by the Holy Spirit that come upon me. And I received him for the cleansing of my soul. And I believe that's what's happening here in Acts 2. When they asked Peter, they say, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you will receive the gift, the outpour of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. One last set of scripture on the sign. In, it's in 1 Corinthians in the book of Isaiah. Just want to... Throw this out here as well. 1 Corinthians 14. And I wrote up above it, the mighty sign from heaven had come up on the earth, the Holy Spirit filling those that believe and a heavenly utterance coming forth. This heavenly utterance was both the unknown tongue and the power of the gospel declared in a known tongue. The apostle Paul declared that tongues were for a sign and he made a direct reference to Isaiah 28, 1 Corinthians 14, 21, 22. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers will I speak unto this people, and not even thus will they hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign. Not to them that believe, but to the unbelieving, but prophesying is for a sign, not to the unbelieving, but to them that believe. Now, Isaiah 28. 9 through 12, says, Whom will he teach knowledge, and whom will he make to understand the message? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, nay, but by men of strange lips and with another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest, give you rest to him that is weary, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. Now read the rest of that chapter. It goes into, I believe, the overflowing scourge coming into the land. It begins, it deals with the, the uh, foundation stone of the Lord Jesus Christ that the whole thing of Jerusalem was going to be swept away. It, I, I believe even in this chapter of Isaiah 28, it deals with that their, that their covenant with hell will be dissolved. Their covenant with death, it'll be dissolved. It'll be swept away. And here that it, it deals with the rock, but, but he tells them, he tells them in the prophets that with stammering lips, 
and another tongue will I speak to this people. And right in the midst of Israel, the sign of his coming came. Now, people debate this all the time of, of whether they spoke in unknown tongues or not. I believe with all my heart they spake with unknown tongues, and I believe they spake in their languages. I, I don't think it's, uh, it's, it's as difficult to understand as some people have made it. Now, I'm going to throw this out here. What I believe, if you look close at Acts 2, that the 120 was in the upper room and the Holy Ghost came up on them. And they began to speak in unknown tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, at that time, in my understanding, and again, this is my understanding, God can correct my understanding, it was just the 120 there. When it was noised abroad, that something's going on over here. Something's going on in the upper room. They come to see what was going on. When they come to see what was going on, they spake in their own language the wonderful works of God. They begin to declare to them through the gift of the Holy Ghost in their own languages the wonderful works of God. They begin to declare Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the wonderful works of God. That's what they begin to declare. And they ask them, what do we do to be saved? And it's repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, so that's set forth in Israel. Now, for the period of time, that's the only place that's set forth. Do you know that? In the Bible, it didn't go across all of the world at that time. Stayed with Israel. When did it change? Changed with Stephen and the eunuch and Peter and Cornelius. Yeah. Look at it close. Peter has a dream or a vision, and he is sent to the Gentiles with the same message. <laughs> he, he didn't come with something different. And, and, he, and he understood it was one body. You know, Peter and Paul begin to understand it's one body, one God, one spirit that they're all filled and baptized into. Glory to the Lamb of God. Well, folks, I'll, I'll stop here tonight. We'll, we will uh, pick this up the next time I speak. Uh, and uh, thank you for your attention tonight. So I'm going to stop here and uh, it's up to you, Brother Mark. Go ahead. Praise